If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. You've probably heard that you are the average of the five people you hang out with most. Today, I want to encourage you to stop and reflect for a moment on who you're spending most of your time with. Are they supportive? Are they encouraging? Are they motivated? And are they action takers? Or are they unhappy, unmotivated, and stuck? Or somewhere in between? Whoever you surround yourself with, they have a ripple effect on your results. The good news is that surrounding yourself with high achieving, motivated, happy people accelerates your success. And that's the whole point of this show. When you're ready to take the path toward financial freedom and fulfillment in your life and find out about the various masterminds that are available to you, if you're a high achiever, then we have room for you in our community. Go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call. All right, today's guests grew up in a very, very small town, the size of a restaurant, almost 300 people in Fort Atkinson, Iowa. Her parents were married for 33 years, and she was given a really, really solid foundation, values-wise and ventures-wise. However, none of them had actually really grown up out of this town or became entrepreneurs in a big way. She was able to break this cycle, and even though she spent some time in jail, and she maxed out her credit cards, and she was evicted three times, a couple of repossessions. She somehow incredibly got blessed to be top 1% in U.S. executives, nominated for Inc. and Forbes magazine prestigious list of 30 under 30. Additionally, she's gone on to write 10 books, seven which are international bestsellers, in addition to being on the cover of Evolutions magazine's top power player under 40. All of these great accomplishments were done after 200 years and 10 generations, and she broke the cycle and became the first entrepreneur in her family. Now there are five of us, she says, and done in a single generation. She loves to travel, food, hang out with people, and ironically, she had never seen a black person before she was 15 years old, so the fact that she was exposed to so little variation and differences had an impact on her identity, yet beautifully she has gone on and created some I am statements that are very, very empowering. I am amazing, I am blessed, prosperous and generous, I am inspirational, and wait until you hear her description on I am life and what it means. She talks about time management, as a crock and how you really have to manage your energy. She's also going to give you some really interesting insights on masculine and feminine energy. And we look forward to a lot, lot more. So please help me welcome Melissa Kravacek to today's call. And Melissa, welcome to the call. I am stoked to have somebody of your caliber intellect and certainly somebody who has defied the generations before you. I can't wait for people to hear your story. Welcome to the I Am Podcast. Thank you, Rock, for having me. So let's take a deep dive into some of the things that happened in the past. But before we do that, 
let's talk a little bit about some of the successes you've had. I'm looking at 10 books you've written. You've created a lot. Where are you at today with that? How did you get to a place where you could write 10 books? Uh, life. <laughs> it's called life. So you just got to live life. And then I, I use writing books as a way for me to um, curate emotions and get them out of my system so I can function at a higher level. And so it's more or less a healing process that I do for myself, which obviously in turn gets the readers engaged. So uh, because I'm, I'm writing from such an emotional state, they feel like they're right there with me. That's so cool. And I, I always ask my guests before the show to write out some of their I am statements. And I've noticed you wrote out, I am amazing. I am blessed, prosperous, and generous. I am inspirational. And I am life. What do you mean by I am life? All right. So I am life is an energy. And the energy you get from the music that you listen to, from the food that you eat, you should be eating all natural foods that come from natural resources. Um, drinking tons of water and watching what you put into your body as in terms of what you listen to and then who you connect with. And uh, you are a source of life that is literally growing in order for you to feed the world and other people. So you're intentional then what I hear you saying about how you show up in the energy that you share with other people. 100%. And I think you have to be in order to create the highest level of success that you'd want to achieve. Yeah. And so then would you say you're the type of person that when people interact with you, they leave feeling a little bit better, a little bit more energized, a little bit more alive? Uh, 100%. But I think that's based upon um, me putting that energy into them. Like it's my intention for them to always walk away, whether they've had a good experience or bad experience with me for them to feel like they've gained knowledge, if nothing else. Super cool. I love that as an intention. So you also have here some things that, um, that we could talk about. We, um, I want to go into them, but before let's give people some of the background. So you grew up in a very small town and I think it is Iowa right? Yes, indeed. Fort Atkinson, Iowa. It's a town of 300 people. So I just joke around like it's the size of this restaurant and everybody laughs because it's true. Um, in most cities, the size of a restaurant is the exact size of the town that I grew up in. That's crazy for me to even think about that size. And I'm, I'm yeah. trying to think about, we all have an identity, um, a way we see ourselves. And that identity can be linked to an area code. And so somebody that lives in Beverly Hills versus... Iowa is going to have a different sensations, experience, and input, and somebody that's born in New Delhi, India. Oh, so, for sure. how did somebody like you, where you have generations of people that have pretty much stayed in the small town, how did you find your entrepreneurial spirit and break that cycle and come out into the big world, so to speak, and become this force for good? Yep. So my family has been in this uh, town for 200 years or eight generations. Not one single one of us has come back to be here. I am the only exception and I probably will only be the ever living exception. Um, but that's because I chose that, right? So it's all a pure rock. Like you have to make a choice. I grew up doing hard work. I believed that we had to do hard work in order to survive. We have to put windshields in semis. It's what I did when I got a new job before I said, fuck you to my dad. And I was like, I'm about to become an entrepreneur. 
But his reaction to that was like, well, my dad tried and failed and I tried and failed and now you're the oldest and you think you can do it. It wasn't, I think I can do it. I know unequivocally I am going to do it. So like, I'm not going to be hunting and fishing and camping. I'm not going to be getting dirty and barely surviving. These things are not for me. So when you um, come to a point and you explore life a little bit. So I was 15 when I, I saw my first black person. And I remember we were at the pool with my aunt. It was about two hours from my hometown. And she's like, your dad didn't tell you there were black people. I was like, no, like, because we were Catholic and white right so at the end of the day like you build your identity based on where you are but you can reform your identity by the people that you associate with the places that you associate with and the energy that you have now i would say most people get the opportunity to move and they move based on a knowing inside of them right so it's comfortable to be in california because of the air quality or not in California, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the you lifestyle. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like mode of transportation, like whatever it is, their surroundings allow them to be in that setting and they're very comfortable with that. Um, so I'm like the country girl that lives right outside the city, the city of Atlanta right now. So I just recreated this whole identity. Like I'm going to eat healthy foods, never eat healthy foods growing up, but with vegetables were never a part of our diet. Our diet was like, let's go to McDonald's every Friday night. <laughs> and that was just what we did, right? Because my parents were saving for that one meal that they could take us out. But the one meal that they could take us out was McDonald's and that was what they could afford. And that was what was available. So what's available to you is probably ingrained in a belief system that's come along down generations. Yes. And so in order for you to like break this cycle and get out of it, you have to choose, okay, it's going to be challenging and the things in life that are hard uh, make life easy. And the things that in life are easy make life hard. So yeah, you can sit on your ass and not make money. Your life's going to be hard. Yeah, you can eat really crappy food and you will get fat and your life will be hard. Like, or you can choose eat really healthy or you can choose make an extra phone call and your life will be easy. So do the hard things to make your life easy. Now, was your family overweight as a, as a, as a, as a generation after generation because mm -hmm. of this lifestyle? Yeah, not only were they overweight, they actually um, were incredibly judgmental. And so one of the things is like, they would just look at you and be like, comparing, oh, you're eating a donut. Oh, you're drinking a soda. Like, oh, whatever the case is, right? But at the end of the day, like, it's not their place to judge you. And if you do get judged, it's not your place to take it personally. So you just have to learn these things. Did you start reading books, uh, uh, personal development books, uh, in order to get these new perspectives? Because I believe that anybody that coaches, their job is to provide a new perspective. A small town provides one perspective. If you've ever yeah. seen Coming to America with, um, who's that actor? Uh, it'll come to me. Or Crocodile Dundee. You might be too young to see, know these movies. But these movies, when somebody comes from another city like Australia to America, and they're like, oh my God, there's so many different things. How did you, how did you get a new perspective and then say, well, you know, I want to venture out? Okay, so 
first I worked in retail, I had a really great mentor. In fact, when you're 16 and uh, have no idea about the world, like you want to give up. And that's exactly what I, to, what I wanted to do. So I remember like I was at the store. I said, I'm going to give up. Obviously, I didn't want to go back to putting windshields in with my dad, but there was like very few opportunities. So I had to go to college or stay. A dude showed up at the store that day and his name was Rick. And he had heard some really awesome things about me, which I was super grateful for looking back on. But that's only because we've had 17 years of relationship now. And so it's incredible because he taught me work ethic and he taught me like discipline and he taught me to show up on time and he taught me like energy management and all of those things. And my parents who have been married 33 years taught me integrity and standing by each other when things get tough. And so the combination of really solid values with a really tough work ethic has probably taken me the furthest. And a lot of people don't have the privilege of being around these things. I love that because I always say to people, your friends are comfortable with your present, but your mentors are comfortable with your future. And this mm -hmm. mentor saw you at your higher self, your better self. He gave you some tools and references for you to build that and lean into it. And did that create a sense of excitement for you, a sense of possibility? What, try to think back to that moment as you were going through those learnings with him. What was that like? Yeah, it was actually really cool because we um, went store to store together and eventually I overcame his rank in management. So I was a store manager when I was 19, which I also got fired and then started my own company. So again, this is a privilege, right? Because I had four years of very, very difficult tasks, working in various different Walmarts, doing remodels, working in Delhi. I remember the Delhi got shut down and we had to stay overnight and clean like all the grease and it was terrible but it was better than suffering. And then of course that night I actually got into a really horrible car accident because I fell asleep behind the wheel and totaled my car. So I, I just started biking to work because that job was so valuable to me to be in the city that I was in, that I was willing to do whatever it took to get from A to B to sustain what I had just built. And so that's the thing with immigrants is like, they come to America, they see these opportunities, and it's not opportunity of like, oh, I am in a position of I get a car immediately. No, like what public transportation do I take so that I can create and curate this energy so I can move along? And it's not that they don't have goals. They do. We all do. So what I hear you saying, which I think is brilliant because you're dropping so many beautiful gems, is that you were willing to pay the price for this mm -hmm. better life. Yeah. You were willing to do whatever it took. You were willing to do what was difficult so that later your life would be easy where most people give in to, I'm not in the mood, it might not work, it might not be worth it, and they give into that inner narrative. So what I'm curious about, and this is like the big question, is what did you do to, to maintain the vision of the great life? when everything around you was screaming and yelling that you're a small town girl and you should stay a small town girl? Oh, that still happens today during holidays. So it's, it, that thing doesn't go away, right? So it's always going to be there. I'm very well aware it's going to be there. Um, and I really have two options, right? I can continue to see the vision and continue to play my life forward. Or uh, for a couple of days, I can literally just step back and realize like how powerful it is that I came from where I came from. And that's the thing, because we are in a position where we can play that role of becoming small minded, 
and stagnant, or we can continue to just say like, I, I'm going to achieve these things. So I have this rule that I sort of created, which is live to the community that you're in, but be a visionary to the world that you'd like to be in. Um, and that's always going to help you move towards whatever it is that you're trying to move towards. I love it. I love it. You're so brilliant. It's amazing stuff. I hope that uh, our listeners are picking up and taking notes and maybe you're going to re-listen to this. Let's talk about some of the things that a lot of people don't like to talk about. You spent some time messing up. You maxed out oh, yeah. credit cards. You've been evicted. You've, you've had repossessions. You have spent six days in jail. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, just to say this, in Iowa, they have nothing to do. So <laughs> I was Thanks notorious. for clarifying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was notorious for speeding. And the reason was because I had this belief ingrained in me. I, I really have never talked about this. So my belief when I was young was success loves speed. And I'm not really sure where I picked this up at, but that is not true. Success loves accuracy. And you don't get accuracy from speed. You get accuracy from practice, from preparedness, and from knowing where the target is. If you're just going to speed, like you're hitting the target all over the place and you're not actually hitting the bullseye, which is what you essentially want. So I use that as my philosophy to get away with speeding, which eventually ended up in, in jail. <laughs> so it's really interesting that you, you know, and, and I think a lot of us have had this as we pick up these beliefs, like he who hesitates is lost or look before you leap. And they become filters for us on how to operate our life until mm -hmm. they no longer are functional. Like in your case, speeding, you thought was the road to success. And then eventually yeah. you're like, ah, uh, maybe not. And you oh, definitely not. Right? <laughs> you developed enough evidence that your brain came up with a new meaning and a new belief system now serves you, which is really quite quite cool that success loves accuracy. And now you have some links toward that. So that being said, you went on to to have more success and to break the cycle. What's one of the hardest things for you now going forward with part of you being the small town homegirl and the pull, because I say in life, there's three opponents, the external, which is the competition mm -hmm. and, and the flat tires of life or spending five days or six days in jail. Um, the intimate, which is your family and friends that want, don't want to be left behind. And then the internal, that's your internal dialogue, which we've talked yeah. about, but the intimate is, is going to be especially difficult for somebody like you coming from a small town, having that identity, having those references, and having family and friends that probably want to pull you back, not because they don't want to see you succeed, but they don't want to be left behind. Is that, is that a fair statement? Oh, it's 100% true. And that's definitely something like I know that I struggle with. So I would say like one of the biggest struggles for me um, currently is that whatever money I, I make, I tend to spend. I will find a way to spend the money. <laughs> And then I will say, well, like, look at what I got. I got experience, right? And then there's nothing really to show for the money except for the fact that I've been all over the world, which it costs money to do that, right? So at the end of the day, it's understanding that like, my parents struggled to make money and they always had to spend their entire check based upon uh, fulfilling a, a hierarchy of needs. However, my needs are fulfilled without spending the money. So I just have to look at that and, and like reframe the transaction essentially. 
that I don't need to go spend this money frivolously just because I can or just because I have it. So it's this lack in abundance mindset that go back and forth like a ping pong ball, like, hey, you lacked everything. Hey, now you have everything. So you must have nothing. So then you can get it again. And it's just like back and forth banter. So before we go into talking about masculine and feminine energy, because I know that you have some very interesting concepts around that, I want to talk about this because I think it's really important for a lot of people. There are four money, money types that we get exposed to growing up. There's the spender, there's the saver, the avoider, and the money monk. The money monk believes that you can't be spiritual and wealthy. You have one God. It's either money or it's God. The avoider doesn't open their bills. They just don't want to know. They don't look at the, the bill comes at the restaurant. They just sign it and off they go. The saver, they emotionally are constipated when it comes to spending because they have fear on some level that there's not enough. I'm a saver or have been a saver and I have ways that I mitigate that now that I have a lot of money. But yeah. the spender usually is a person who emotionally is trying to fill up by accumulating or you know, it's like retail therapy, they call it, right? <laughs> you're pissed off, you're excited, you're happy, you're sad, you go and you spend and you shop and you fill up externally. So what did you learn from your parents? Because we all learn or learn from your environment. You said they have to spend everything in a hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. So you, have you replicated that in a way? Um, so the hierarchy of needs is the basic needs, which Tony Robbins talks about. So in order to have a roof over their head, in order to have a vehicle to drive to work, in order to meet their just their basic needs, they would have to spend their entire check. It was not an option. Um, but what little money they had left over, they would go to Goodwill, they would like, they would never feel, and this is especially relevant with my mom, she would never feel worthy enough to buy something new for herself. It always had to be a hand-me-down. Um, for me, I don't like things. So when I talk about spending, I'm not talking about buying things. I am the biggest minimalist you will ever meet in your entire life. <laughs> um, oh, no, you got my mother as competition, so, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, it's not like I'm buying, um, a wardrobe or something. I'm not. So you're buying experiences. A hundred percent. I will go anywhere on the drop of a dime and I will pay the extra airfare because I can go right now. And what does it mean to you to be able to do that? I think we just never had that privilege. So my sister's 30 and she never has ever been on an airplane. So I said to her like a couple months ago, let me buy your credit card points. And she said, no. And so I like, I hounded her basically. I was like, Mel, let me buy your damn credit card points. And she basically said, no, I'm saving for a trip to Disney. Now her kids are four and two. And so I said like, when are you planning on taking this trip to Disney? Cause I've never seen you go anywhere ever, ever. Uh, for your honeymoon, you went fishing in a cabin. Like what is exactly your plan here? <laughs> so <laughs> like, I am all about getting in front of people having experiences sharing food and just being able to like see a different viewpoint because we never had that like we never right. got to see different religions or anything like that well let's talk about a different viewpoint when it comes to masculine and feminine energy and okay. what are your thoughts around that because again these conversations that we're having are not mainstream. They're not the things that are taught in school about the four different type of money personalities and 
how we learn to be emotional around money or not, around food, around putting in windshields into cars and getting pissed off and deciding I'm going to go in a new direction and create some contrast in my life and fight for things, taking a bike to work when I get a car accident and not giving up. I mean, these are the things that winners and successful people are made of that you're mm -hmm. exemplifying. So I'm fascinated to hear what your thoughts are around masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. So, okay. So there's two types of energy, right? The, the masculine and the feminine. The feminine is when I am not competing with you. So as a male, you want to have the empowerment of the female. Most companies are owned by males and run by females. And it's because females are very much soft-spoken, yet they are hardcore negotiators. Uh, they're very rarely going to walk away without getting the deal that they want. But they're not going to throw that in your face like, here's the terms, let's agree. Feminine is being able to show up in a dress and know that the deal's done without saying a word because everyone is watching you. It's being present without actually having a script, so to speak. And so these type of energies is, is the energy that most people pay attention to. Now, if I'm masculine, I'm very much in competition. So I'm competing for your attention. I'm competing to win the, the agreements or whatever. I'm competing and men do not like to compete because they feel um, emasculated, they feel disempowered, they feel all kinds of negative emotions. And these emotions drive them harder to get you further away from them when you're coming at them uh, more. And so it's very intricate balance between knowing when to try to get something. And by the way, if you're in feminine energy, you can totally get whatever you want from a man. But if you're in masculine energy, you're very rarely going to be able to pull that off. Can you remember a time when you were with a man and you're feminine and, and how he responded? Uh, for sure. So I know you know this story, Rock, but I was actually in Montreal, Canada. And I was, I was getting an Airbnb and I had, you know, talked with this person about business for five or six years before we even met. And so I said, hey, Mo, just come over to my Airbnb. And so he was there within like four minutes. And we sat and we had a conversation for many, many hours. And it was late into the night. And he literally said, like, do you know how hard it's been not to kiss you? And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I almost lost it because I was like, we were just discussing business the whole entire time. And the thing is that in that moment, it was a pivotal realization of I am being feminine and he is very much attracted to that. So I put this belief in my, my head, I could get any amount of money I wanted from him right now. And his only question to me was, can I stay the night? And I was like, what? That sounds like a very interesting transaction. Can I stay the night? How much money do I get from him? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm in my head, right? Like, <laughs> I know I can definitely take this to a home run. And he's already over here thinking, like, she just softened up so much over the last six years of, of talking business with her that now she has my attention. Now she has my interest. And, and the whole dynamic changed very quickly because I was just like, whoa, like, if I had done that six years ago, um, because I've been in this competitive mode for 10 years and that I think was based out of survival. Like I must make money in order to sustain this lifestyle in order to not go back. And a lot of people take this, this mode of transportation, I guess you would call it, where if you are feminine, 
there's no competition. You just show up, you get the deal. Everybody walks away feeling great about it. The man is empowered. The woman feels more confident and you're uh, like aligning and synergizing a win-win situation for everybody. And I think like for women, self-confidence is the most important aspect of the deal. Cause if I get a rejection, I don't want to feel shitty about that. So what I hear you saying is that when you're in your feminine and a man is in his masculine, there's this polarity, there's this attraction that happens. When, 100%, you, yes. when you compete and you're both trying to use the same strategies, which is to be directed, to be in control, to be decisive and things like that, then men are uncomfortable with competing with a woman or somebody in their, in their masculine energy and they tend to want to win at all costs. Yeah, or they're intimidated and they automatically go to shutdown mode. Yes, 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 very familiar with shutdown mode. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's just because I guess we feel in that moment we cannot win, so what are we gonna do? We're going to, we're just going to throw in the towel or back off or retreat or re regroup. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that talk about, Alison Armstrong talks a lot about masculine and feminine energy. I don't know if you know that author. And there's David Data. It's a fascinating conversation because I think with now women in the workforce, unfortunately, from my perspective, there's a lot of women who are falling into the masculine energy and they want equality and all that. And I'm like, look, I'll bleed once a month if I don't have to be bald. Maybe it's a fair trade-off, you know? What can I tell you? But you just never know what's going to show up. So what I hear you saying is for women, stay in their feminine and enjoy that process and it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. And you have to learn to be feminine, right? Like let the guy open the door for you. Let the guy pay the bill for you. Like don't be so alpha that when the bill comes, you just slip your credit card in and like, or do what I've done many times, which is go behind their back, go to the bathroom and then say, take care of the bill. And then people come back, like the bills are already handled by Melissa. That's really weird. Cause like all of us are men. Um, <laughs> so like, you just have to know what role to play and you're not even really playing a role. You're just understanding, like, you don't have to defeminize yourself to be around really powerful players. That's not what you're doing. What you're right. doing is letting them take the lead and feel really great while you also get treated really well. Like who wouldn't want their meal paid for? Who wouldn't want the door open for them? Like that's really all you're doing. Yeah, hundred percent. So if people want to get in touch with you, follow you, uh, buy your books, whatever, what's the best place for them to do that, Melissa? MelissaKrivashik.com, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-K-R-I-V as in Victor, A-C-H-E-K.com. Now, I know you're on a lot of podcasts and interviews. I know yesterday you had uh, nine or 10 of them. So we're really appreciative that you've taken the time to be with us today. If you were to recommend a book to any of our um, listeners, what would that be? So I would say like The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Manzino is definitely my favorite. One that I've done recently was Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore, which was like just a really fantastic out-of-the-box read. That sounds out of the box. Mis Mr. Pernumbum's 24 bookstore, 24 hour bookstore. Indeed. Yep. Okay. All right. That sounds like a fun one. Sounds completely off the beaten track. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Um, I would listen to the audio version on YouTube. So it was the first audio book I've ever listened to, but the, the voiceover does a phenomenal job. It's amazing. 
So listen, I want to thank you so much, but I want to remind our listeners that the words that follow, I am, follow you. You can maybe choose some amazing words like Melissa has. I'm amazing, I'm blessed, prosperous, and generous. I'm inspirational, and I am life. I'm responsible for the energy that I bring to every relationship. And be really, really conscious of what you put into your body so that you can have energy as an edge. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the I Am Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Rock, for having me. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.